for all the moms out there, Dr. Fauci has a special present for your special day. If you are good little girls and you do every single thing that he says, maybe, just maybe, you can celebrate Mother's Day next year. Give everyone a sense of what the country is going to look like next Mother's Day. Well, George, I hope that next Mother's Day we're going to see a, a dramatic difference than what we're seeing right now. I believe that we will be about as close to back to normal as we can. And there's, there's some conditions to that, George. We've got to make sure that we get the overwhelming proportion of the population vaccinated. When that happens, the virus doesn't really have any place to go. There aren't a lot of vulnerable people around. And where there are not a lot of vulnerable people around, you're not going to see a surge. You're not going to see the kinds of numbers we see now. So next Mother's Day, something, what, 14 months after 15 days to slow the spread, will be not normal. We'll be close to, as close to normal as possible uh, if you all get this shot. But if you don't, you're locking down for another two years, you sheep. Happy Mother's Day. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. My only real pang of, I would say almost despair in politics is that if I were ever to run for some office, if I were ever to find myself in some position of political influence, probably Dr. Fauci will already be out of his job because I would love nothing more. If I found myself in a position of political power, I would love nothing more than to fire Dr. Fauci, banish him to St. Helena, and never more hear from him again. And frankly though, even if, let's say that I run for something and I win something in, I don't know, 20 years, 30 years, on second thought, Dr. Fauci probably still will be in his job. I don't know when that bargain with the devil runs up. I know he's been in office since what, the Truman administration or something like that. So a fair chance, I suppose, that he is there. Speaking of politicians, my favorite comment on Friday comes from Extreme Taco Cannon, who says, Caitlyn Jenner can't win. California needs Cox at a time like this. And this is a very good point. John Cox is a good, is a good gubernatorial candidate, put up a, you know, put up a fight in 2018. And, and this year I think is really making a strong play. So yes, perhaps California does need Cox at a time like this. At these very difficult times when everything is so fraught, one way to give us a little bit of peace of mind, having some physical gold. If you want to invest in physical gold, go check out Acre. Acre lets you subscribe to gold bars for as little as $30 a month. You pay each month and once your gold stash reaches the price of their gold bars, they discreetly ship Acre Gold to your house. Just recently, Acre introduced a new $100 a month subscription to a five gram gold bar. Acre will let you invest without coming out of pocket all at once so that you don't, you know, you don't have to look around your couch cushion and say, do I have enough for a gold bar yet? Well, probably you won't, but it's a great way to get started investing. By the way, right now, you know, there's a nationwide ammo shortage. Acre is making a solid gold 24 karat nine millimeter bullet uh, that you can buy right now. Probably not best to fire out of your gun. That would be a very expensive day at the range. Uh, but I suppose good if you want to kill a werewolf. Michael, werewolves are silver. No, uh, actually maybe, maybe you've never killed a werewolf. Okay. Otherwise I would just keep it on your mantle. It's a very cool looking piece. Visit getacregold.com slash Michael right now. Start investing in physical gold today. Make sure you go to that URL because Acre is giving away a gold bar to qualify, tweet or post why you should get it and mention at get underscore Acre. That is getacregold.com slash Michael. And thank you, Acre Gold, for supporting the show. Everywhere motherhood is being devalued, not just in, in the medical community, which is now trying to erase women entirely, but even in the popular culture. You know, put aside for a second the transgender issue that says that men and women are exactly the same and men are the, the best women around are just men. Uh, even in the popular culture, motherhood itself is so devalued. There was a clip from somebody named Tiffany Haddish. The name vaguely rings a bell, though I have no idea what this person does. Tiffany Haddish was being interviewed on some show and was asked about Mother's Day. And she said, you know, I'm, I might be a mother. I might have some kids running around. I don't know. Here goes something everybody don't know I'm a tick. When I was 21, I was really hard up for some money and I gave up a bunch of eggs. So who knows? I might got some kids out here in the street. There I might be some Tiffany Haddishes. I doubt it though, because I never got the bonus. Some eggs somewhere though. In a cryo somewhere. 
ha 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 ha. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Maybe I've got some kids running around because I decided that for some pieces of silver, I would consign my children to never knowing their mother. This is not adoption, by the way. It's not as though I found myself in a tricky situation and I felt that I couldn't raise the child, but I didn't want to kill the child, so I gave it up for adoption. That's a wonderful selfless act. This is, I wanted some bucks so that I could entertain myself, so I sold my eggs so that children might be created who will never have the opportunity to know their mother. Ha ha ha, isn't that funny? Or, or maybe they're just in a freezer somewhere. Maybe they have been fertilized, but you know, because of all these other kooky ways that people have children now, uh, they, they have these fertilized embryos and we just turn them into souls on ice. Ha 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 ha. Isn't that funny? Oh, you're so funny, Tiffany Haddish. What a, what a great culture we're living in. (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious. What this does, forget about what it does for the kids. That's cruel and selfish enough already. But what it says then is that motherhood is just, you're just a womb or you're just some eggs. Uh, Consider what's happening right now. There's a a process that is very popular among wealthy people where if wealthy people either can't conceive on their own or if there are biological reasons why they can't in our culture, they will purchase the eggs from one woman and then rent out another woman's womb and then create a designer baby for their own pleasure and gratification pretty backwards, isn't it? Isn't the idea that you love someone else and so in this act of love, you create another person and this person is an actual physical representation of your love. That's a selfless act. But today what we're doing is exactly the opposite of that. And I guess the worst part of it, I mean, you know, what's actually going on is, is pretty bad. But what's even more shocking to me is how people don't see it for what it is. How people are just giggling about it. Oh, tee hee hee. Yeah, I, I sold my children for money. <laughs> That's what this woman's saying. Yeah, I, and they're not going to know their, their mother, you know, but ah, what? I got some money. So isn't that great? Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Meanwhile, in PBS, PBS NewsHour has a piece out on, on Mother's Day, or I suppose a couple days before Mother's Day, but it was obviously for Mother's Day, uh, to really, to celebrate women by saying, quote, It's time to recognize the damage of childbirth, doctors and mothers say. Now, when you think about childbirth, I'm sure you were celebrating your your mother this weekend. When you're thinking about childbirth, do you think of damage and harm and injury? Or do you think of giving life? The exact opposite of injury and harm. Uh, Probably it would be the latter. And here's how I can prove it. There there is a logical flaw in in this argument from PBS. It's time to recognize the damage of childbirth, doctors and mothers say. First paragraph. Generations of women have quietly endured the messy business of giving birth, even after reading stacks of pregnancy books, faithfully following their healthcare provider's advice, and successfully delivering a, a healthy baby. Women often enter motherhood with what suddenly feels like a broken body. I didn't even need to read the whole paragraph. Do you, do you see the logical flaw? It was in the first sentence generations of women have endured the messy business of childbirth. I'm not saying that childbirth isn't messy, but I'm saying if your argument here is that childbirth damages, that it harms, that it causes injury, you can't begin your argument with generations of women. It's, it's just like how <laughs> Ronald Reagan made the observation that everyone who is in, in favor of abortion has already been born. Or you'll notice there are people, usually on the left, who are worried about the population bomb. They always talk about overpopulation. And notice their solution is never to take themselves out of the population. <laughs> their solution is always to take other people out of the population. Because you can't make that argument. You can't say childbirth is bad. Childbirth is terrible. Say generations of women. Yes. Is there pain associated with childbirth? Yes, there is. There is pain and sacrifice involved in anything that is giving of yourself that is productive in this world. But nobody wants to give of themselves anymore because we all want to get something for nothing about me, 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 me. This is part of a cultural revolution. Think about in the past, I'm not saying that long ago. I'm saying like 30, 40 years ago. If you said, I want to just pursue my own pleasure and do whatever is good for me and not care about anybody else, that would be considered bad. 
That would be considered vicious. That would be considered dishonorable. Today, this is considered a virtue. This is a good thing, right? We've made pride the ultimate virtue, for goodness sakes. Meanwhile, in the past, 40 years ago or so, if you said things like honor, uh, virtue, um, selflessness, uh, sanctification, these sorts of words, they would have meant something. They would have been something that we all aspire to. Today, those words, if you say them to most people on the street, they will look at you like you've got three heads. They don't make a lot of sense. It is part of a cultural revolution to upend the traditional basis of our culture, the traditional practices of our culture. Just up in our neighbor to the north, America's hat over the past week, a, that pastor, that Polish pastor up there, whose name is uh, Artur Pawlowski, leave it to the Poles to always be defending freedom and Western Christendom. Uh, Pawlowski was arrested in the middle of a street by a SWAT team in Canada for inciting people to go to church. See, that looks like a fairly busy road. There are the cops, hands behind his head. He's on his knees. He's wearing a suit to go preach to his congregation. Hello friends, this is Pastor Art Polowski. If you're watching this video, that means they have successfully arrested me and I am in jail. If you would like to support me, if you would like to support Rebel News and the legal team that is trying their best to get me out of this trouble, please go to savearthur.com. Please donate, please help. Help me, help my family, help my wife and my children to get me out of this horrible, illegal situation. Please go to savearthur.com and get me out of this. So this is the pastor. We played him on the show a month or so ago whenever, whenever he had his first stand against these people. And he wouldn't let the, the public health police come into his congregation. And he called them Gestapo and he called them uh, Nazis and communists. And, you know, the Poles know a thing or two about, about this topic. This is Canada. It's not the United States yet. But it's going to create a very strange situation here because if the cops ever start doing that in America, God forbid, is the right going to back the blue? I'm not going to back the blue if the blue is, is arresting pastors. I don't think they would do that in America. or I don't think they would want to do that in America. But could it come down to that? What those cops are, they are behaving like Gestapo. That's, how else do you describe it? To arrest someone for, for holding a church service. They don't arrest other people for holding other gatherings. This is specific. The churches close and the marijuana dispensaries remain open in California during the lockdown. This is not about a uniform standard. It's about creating a new ranking of priorities and an, and an upending of the culture. And if we don't stand up against it now, it's, it's not like that's some video out of, you know, 1930s uh, Europe or, or Russia. That's happening right now, right up to the north, just last week. Sort of thing makes a Makes a man just want to f- relax, forget about all this stuff, have a good time. Well, one great way to do that is with Redneck Riviera Whiskey. If you believe in standing for the national anthem or supporting our military and first responders, or if you want to celebrate a job well done, check out Redneck Riviera Whiskey. That is your whiskey sourced from America's heartland, blended and bottled in Kentucky. Redneck Riviera Whiskey is the smoothest whiskey available. From the glass to the cork and the whiskey inside, it is 100% made in America. The brand is also 100% owned by John Rich, my pal John Rich, the country singer. This is not just another celebrity endorsement where, you know, some company has, has the, the booze and then the celebrity comes in, to, smiles for a photo and then doesn't know anything about it. John is intimately involved. I was at his house the other day and he's got very nice selection of booze. So I tried the Redneck Riviera whiskey. And it was my favorite thing. That's all I was drinking all night. Go check it out. For more information or to find a store near you, visit redneckriviera.com. That is redneckriviera.com. Drink American. Redneck Riviera is a distilled spirit with 40% ABV. Redneck Spirits Group is responsible for this ad and is located at 10917 Old Harrods Woods Circle, Louisville, Kentucky, 40223. So you've got the police force in Canada arresting a pastor for holding a church service because he is violating the state-established church of secular progressivism. 
He's violating the true priests of Canada who are the public health experts. And we've got the same thing here, folks. It's not quite as far down the line as it is in Canada, but we've got the same sort of thing here, the same kind of rules on the books, the same kind of punishments, albeit to a, a lesser degree. Meanwhile, in the digital realm, the liberal establishment is quashing any and all dissent. You saw this just last week when President Trump lost his Twitter account again. This I felt was really when big tech crossed the Rubicon uh, in January 7th, January 8th, when the big tech companies deplatformed the duly elected sitting president of the United States. That's what they did. And you think, well, if the oligarch, nerd, weirdo, hipster Rasputin types in Silicon Valley can censor the sitting president of the United States. They control 90% of the flow of information. They control our public square. So if they censor him, that's it. That's, that is a political action. It's not just a private company or a cultural action. That's a political action. Well, what won't they do? Certainly they're going to censor all of us. So President Trump tried to work his way around this by setting up a blog on his website and then creating a little share button so you can share it to the various social media companies and then creating a Twitter account for the blog. But they took that down right away too. They're not going to let him come back. We talked about this last week when Facebook outsourced its decision to the oversight board. So Facebook censors President Trump. Facebook has a quasi-independent oversight board. It's independent mostly of corporate interference, but politically it's very far left wing. So the oversight board is then supposed to rule on whether or not you can keep Trump banned. First of all, if you ban him for the last part of his presidency, then who really cares if you let him back on two years later? But even so, the oversight board decided to punt that question back to corporate because no one really wants to take responsibility for censoring Trump. They all want to censor Trump, but no one wants to take responsibility for it because it is such an obvious and outrageous political power grab. And what this reminds us, and it should especially remind right-wingers this, is we can't just privatize everything. <laughs> you can't just privatize your politics. The reason that Facebook even has to make these content decisions about censorship and what's beyond the pale, and we have to all acknowledge, look, there are some things that you're just not allowed to say. This has been true from the beginning of the country. This has always been true in the United States, and it's been true in every country in the history of the world. You can't engage in things like fraud. You can't engage in things like sedition <laughs> to, to greater or lesser degrees. You can't engage in things like direct threats. You can't, you, for a long time in this country, you couldn't engage in obscenity. So there, there are always things that are off limits. If the, if the politics is not going to make that decision, then the private companies, semi-private companies are. Facebook is going to do it. So the response to this for, for conservatives is we need to set these sorts of standards through our politics or else the left is going to set the standards for us. Instead of hauling off perverts and communists with our police like we did in the 1950s, you know, busting up, uh, I don't know, porn theaters in New York or busting up communist rings in Washington, D.C. Now what we're seeing is police busting up churches. It's going to happen. We are going to have standards. So what standards are they going to be? Who's going to set it? What are we conserving and how are we going to do it? Rahm Emanuel, a former mayor, former mayor of Chicago, former political operative for the Clintons, for Obama, White House chief of staff, a, you know, a real machine politician type guy. Rahm Emanuel took to the Sunday shows this weekend to lament the fact that the GOP is no longer a conservative party. I'm sure he was so, so sad about this. Jane has uh, uh, said the word, you know, conservative or agenda. First of all, this is not a conservative party. You want to look at a conservative party, pick up John Boehner's book, pick up former President Bush's book. That's conservative. This is a reactionary party built on both resentment and race. That's where the party's going. Pause. I do not want to hear about the politics of resentment and race from the party of Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I don't want to hear any accusations that the GOP is now focused on race and resentment from Democrats who actively encouraged race rioters last year that burned down the country. And they're still doing, they're still encouraging this sort of thing. So that, like so much of what Rahm Emanuel says, 
completely disingenuous. It's what the left often does. He is projecting onto his opponents that which he does himself. Okay, fair enough. But then listen to his point about what true conservatism is. When you think of true conservatism, what names pop to mind? What do I know? Maybe Edmund Burke, uh, maybe John Adams, maybe, uh, maybe Ronald Reagan. So it's a little complicated, but maybe Ronald Reagan, maybe, gosh, I don't know. A lot of people who are very conservative in American history. Does John Boehner come to mind? Does George W. Bush come to mind? These guys are famously not that conservative. John Boehner would call the more conservative members of his party lunatics, wackos. He called Ted Cruz the Lucifer himself or something like that. George W. Bush comes from the most famous liberal Republican family in the country, even more famous than the Romneys. When Bush ran for president, he, he positioned himself as a compassionate conservative, as if to say regular conservatives are not compassionate. Regular conservatives are cruel and heartless and inhumane, but I'm a compassionate conservative, just like his father, who was part of the liberal wing of the Republican party. That's why he was part of Reagan's ticket. Reagan was the conservative. Bush was the liberal. They come together and unify the party. When Bush became president, he said, we're going to create a kindler, gentler nation. Nancy Reagan said, kindler and gentler than whom? You're, you're calling us unkind and ungentle. But uh, you, you hear this, first of all, people like Rahm Emanuel were viciously attacking Boehner and Bush while they were in office because they'll attack any Republican. But now they're saying these are the good Republicans. And this is why you got to tune out what John Boehner is saying right now. This is why you got to tune out what George Bush is saying right now. Because these are the liberals' favorite conservatives. What, what someone like Rahm Emanuel is saying here is they're, they're, the, they're doing the conservatism in the right way, which is to put up a little bit of a fight, but ultimately to, to fail so that we can not only succeed as leftists, but the fake conservatives will legitimize our regime. Right? They're the court jester conservatives. They, they come into the kingdom of liberalism, they do their little dance, but they don't really threaten the way that, that the rule is, is carried out here. Emmanuel goes on. The other piece of this is you talk about an agenda. There's, in 2020, there was no platform. There's no agenda. It's about Donald Trump. You know, parties exist for two reasons. Set out a set of policy principles. They didn't have that in 2020. They still don't have that. Number two, to win elections. It took 90 years to find a president that could both lose the White House, the House, and the Senate, and Donald Trump did that. This is about Donald Trump and his grievances. And the other piece of this that makes no sense to me, you have an election, there are three things that both parties have. The Republicans have redistricting, they have uh, basically restricting voter access, and they are gonna also have uh, the ability in this area to uh, cut off uh, any part of his, any history they have. I don't even know what he's, what, what point is he trying to make at the end? They're going to try to, the Republicans are cutting off their history. They, they want to deny their history. This from the party of the KKK, <laughs> this from the Democratic Party. How are Republicans denying their history? If anything, Republicans are returning to their history. The, the embrace of protection and trade, the embrace of tariffs to some small degree is not a, an abdication of, con, of the conservative agenda or the Republican agenda. That's a return to it. The Republican Party was founded on tariffs. Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican president, said, show me a tariff, I'll show you the greatest nation on earth. So even, even on his point of the agenda, he's just completely wrong. The Republicans did have a real agenda in 2016 and 2020. It was the first time they've articulated a serious agenda in my lifetime. It was just not an agenda that the left approved of. For most of my lifetime, I'm thinking McCain, I'm thinking Romney, I'm thinking Bush, the Republican agenda was basically indistinguishable from the Democrat agenda on things like immigration, on things like trade, on things like the welfare state. I mean, you're kind of, the Republicans want to shrink it a little, but they didn't end up shrinking it. Bush actually grew it, right? McCain actually preserved it. Romney actually grew it when he was governor of Massachusetts. They, they basically all agreed on everything. Then Trump comes along. And he says, yeah, we need to reduce immigration. Immigration is a big problem. We need to actually reduce it. Yeah, on trade, we're getting ripped off. We have to be more skeptical of these international free trade regimes. He, he offered a, a, an alternative vision. And what the Democrats said, they're trying to pretend that that's not a different vision. But what, what the Democrats are really saying here is, hold on, wait a second. That actually threatens us. The Trump 
and Trump supporters views on immigration, on trade, on manufacturing, on national identity, that actually threatens what we want to do. So we need to complete, completely delegitimize that. We need to change various election rules before the 2020 election. I won't even respond directly to what Rahm Emanuel said on that point because I don't think YouTube will let me, but we, they're saying we need to fundamentally overhaul elections now for, in HR1 and S1, these, the Corrupt Politicians Act being considered by Congress, which would federalize the elections. They seem really scared. They don't seem very confident, do they? Not because there's no Republican agenda, but because for the first time in decades, there was a substantive Republican agenda. So many people don't know about this stuff. They don't, they, they just weren't educated into it when they were very, very young. Well, one way that we can fix that for the next generation is Tuttle Twins. How do you explain economics to a seven-year-old? Should your preteen care about the government? Schools today are not teaching the principles of freedom. History is watered down. Key principles omitted altogether and time and attention are given to things of lesser importance. Woke socialist ideas are creeping into our classrooms and curricula across the country. So our friends over at Tuttle Twins are doing something about it. They have created the Tuttle Twins Show, an animated show that teaches kids principles of freedom, like free market economics, limited government, and free speech. Tuttle Twins just opened an investment round to the public at www.tuttletwins.tv, where anyone can invest in the show and help bring it to life. People are loving it. The Tuttle Twins Show is now the world's number one crowdfunded kids show, and the investment round is filling up fast. If you want to help bring the Tuttle Twins show to life, go to tuttletwins.tv to learn more about the investment opportunity today. What is that URL? Say it with me. That is www.tuttletwins.tv and help bring this show to life. If you own an Apple device, I've got great news for you. All of the Daily Wire's latest news, commentary, and analysis is now available on Apple News. We cover everything that you are not getting anywhere else. So if you want to make your news feed infinitely better, just head on over to Apple News on your device, search for the Daily Wire, and hit the follow button. Every day on my show, I talk about a lot of fabulous products and services from sponsors that I love and use, but we want to get to know you better so that we can choose our sponsors with you in mind. So please head on over to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Fill out my audience survey to tell us a little more about yourself. To sweeten the whole experience, those of you that complete the survey will be entered to win a $1,000 gift card, but you can only take the survey once per Daily Wire show. So if you want to increase your chances of winning 1,000 smackaroos, head on over to Ben, to Drew, to Matt, get access to their surveys as well. My survey link, the most important one, dailywire.com slash Knowles. K-N-W-L-E-S. We'll be right back with a lot more. Democrat Rahm Emanuel says the GOP, it's just not conservative anymore. That's what he says on the Sunday shows. And he's a Democrat, so you should believe him. And he says that we should all listen, all we Republicans should listen to Bush and listen to uh, Boehner, right? That's, that would be good. Because Rahm Emanuel, f- famous Democrat operative, he has our best interests at heart. It reminds me of this thing, both parties do it, but it's so, it's so saccharine and obviously disingenuous. I, I would say probably most Republicans have said this at various times. I've probably said it too. Well, they'll say, hey, look, I think there should be a healthy Democrat party. It's just not this one. Look, it, the, I, I, look I know I'm a Republican, but th- we need a healthy two-party system. We need a healthy Democratic party. And that's why the Democrats need to a- accept all of my advice to ha- for how to make their party stronger. Because look, I really have their best interests at heart. I just think we need a healthy two-party. It's like, no, you don't. You think that the Democrats should be abolished. <laughs> you think they're a horrible party who have a horrible, a horrible vision for our country. And it would be better if none of them showed up to vote <laughs> and, or ran for office or whatever. And Republicans ran everything. Of course, that's what you think. And vice versa. When the Demo- Look, guys, I know I'm a Democrat, but I just think Republicans, you should really listen to John Boehner. That would be great for you. Uh, mm, I, I'm not so sure, Rom. <laughs> You're not really convincing me. So, so saccharine and ridiculous. So it's bad enough when it comes from Democrats. But then what, what the Democrats are really saying is, listen to our guys. Listen to the Republicans who accomplish nothing other than legitimize the Democratic rule. Guys like Representative Adam Kinzinger, who is a Republican, at least nominally, who spends most of his time going on liberal news outlets 
and attacking the GOP and specifically attacking the conservatives within the GOP. So Adam Kinzinger goes on the CBS Sunday show and he says the GOP, it's a sinking ship. It's incredible. So Liz Cheney uh, is saying exactly what Kevin McCarthy said uh, the day of the insurrection. She's just consistently been saying it. And a few weeks later, Kevin McCarthy changed to attacking other people. And so I think what the reality is, is as a party, we have to have an internal look and a full accounting as to what led to January 6th. I mean, right now it's basically the, the Titanic. We're like, you know, in this, in the middle of this slow sink, we have a band playing on the deck telling everybody it's fine. And meanwhile, as I've said, you know, Donald Trump's running around trying to find women's clothing and get on the first lifeboat. And I think there's a few of us that are just saying, guys, this is not good, not just for the future of the party, but this is not good for the future of this country. We're four months after January 6th, an insurrection, something that was unthinkable in this country. And the message from the people that want to get rid of Liz Cheney is to say, it's just time to focus on the future and move on. Like this was 10 years ago and we've been obsessed about it since. January, where to begin with this, this ridiculous person? January 6th was an insurrection, something unthinkable in this country. I don't think it was unthinkable. And you know why I don't think an insurrection was unthinkable in this country? Because the left had been pursuing one for eight months before. No, well, they, on January 6th, the Trumper insurrectionists attacked a government building. Oh, a government, you mean like the multiple government buildings that BLM burned to the ground during 2020? Well, and they, they were threatening civilians. Were they? I guess they were threatening members of the house. That's the claim at least. Going after, going after citizens. Uh, you mean like the many, many citizens from coast to coast that BLM threatened, burned down their homes, burned down their businesses and killed in 2020 like that? Unthinkable. Well, what happened? Because with BLM, dozens of people were killed and countless cities were, were burned to the ground. On January 6th, some guy in a horn helmet danced around on the house floor. So what, I'm not excusing that. I think it's bad to dance around uh, government buildings in a horn helmet. I'm really, I'm not, I don't think it's good. I think, uh, frankly, I think they should be punished for it, but they're not comparable. <laughs> not only is January 6th, not the worst insurrection, worst, most terrible thing, worse than Pearl Harbor, worse than 9-11. It's not, it's not just that it's, it's that you can't, you can't even compare it to the BLM stuff. You can't even compare it to what Antifa does regularly. The, what the left has done is so much worse, but Adam Kinzinger doesn't want to talk about that because Adam Kinzinger exists. His whole raison d'etre as a, as a cons- conservative, as a Republican is to attack the GOP and defend the left. He's one of the guys who voted for the impeachment. The one area that I agree with him here is I do think we should have an investigation into what happened on January 6th. Because what we were told in the days right after January 6th is that Republican Trump supporters, they planted bombs. They planted bombs outside the Capitol and at the party headquarters. And they killed people and they threw fire extinguishers at cops and killed cops. And they, they were violent and they were, they were not only trying to kill people, but actually succeeded in killing people. And then what did we learn? What did we learn? The officer who sadly died, died of an unrelated stroke days later. We learned that the only person actually killed in the political violence of that day was a Trump supporter killed by Capitol Police. You hear so much about police brutality when it fits the left-wing narrative. You don't hear about it when it, when it doesn't fit their narrative, when it contradicts their narrative. And what about those bombs? No, remember there were bombs planted outside the Capitol. By, by Trump supporters, and yet we've never heard anything about it. We don't know who planted them. That's it. Just, we don't know. So uh, yeah, I think there should be an investigation because the more, the, the more that there has been an investigation, it has disproved the leftist narrative on it. And it has defended the, the conservative line. Adam Kinzinger, but he's defending Liz Cheney. We talked about Liz Cheney last week. I won't get into her too much more, but the, the Liz Cheney battle is kind of a battle for the soul of the Republican party. That's why it matters. No one, no one really cares about the leader of the GOP house conference per se. The the reason that this battle matters is because it's a fight between the squishes and the conservatives for the future of the party. 
And it's gotten complicated because while Liz Cheney represents the neoconservative wing of the party, the, basically the liberal imperialist wing of the party, the person that the conservatives put up is this woman, Elise Stefanik, who's actually more liberal than Liz Cheney. So that, that makes it a little bit difficult. But Kinzinger is going out and defending Cheney because what Cheney and Kinzinger have been spending their last years doing is just going on these left-wing shows and talking to left-wing outlets and writing for left-wing outlets and defending the libs against the conservatives. So Jim Clyburn, a Democrat, has now come out and said that getting the Republicans getting rid of Liz Cheney is, quote, cancel culture. That's exactly what it's about. And, you know, uh, I don't agree with Liz on much politically, uh, but, you know, that's how we grow as a country. This whole thing that everybody is, ought to be marching in lockstep, that is what leads people to destruction. People ought to have a diversity of thought. Diversity is very, very important. We want to limit it uh, to gender and sometimes to race. It is also about thought. And I want to see a strong Republican Party. My parents were Republicans, and I would love to see this party honor them. But this party, Republican Party today, is showing so much dishonor uh, to the people who made it possible. The people who down from Abraham Lincoln kept this party alive on the basis of anti-slavery, uh, which itself was a big lie. And now they're perpetuating it. Now, they talk a lot about cancel culture. This is the classic cancel culture. They are perpetrating that which they uh, argue that they are against. Wow, guys, I'm even better than I thought I was. I, <laughs> I hate to brag on the show here, but I did not realize when I, when I threw the Clyburn clip in here, I did not realize that he was going to be proving my point about how disingenuous it is when people from other parties talk about how they want your party to be really strong. He just did, he just did my riff. He just, now listen, I'm not a, I don't agree with Liz Cheney. Okay. I don't, you probably, I think you actually do agree with Liz Cheney on a lot of things, but that's beside the point. I don't agree with Liz Cheney, but I'm just saying I support a strong Republican party. No, you don't. You want to see the Republican party washed away to the sea, never to be heard from again. And you're pretending that you want a strong Republican party so that you can sound reasonable and moderate, but you don't. You're a partisan Democrat who fights tooth and nail against the Republicans every single chance you get. He then contradicts himself. He even did the thing of, and they are bringing shame to people like Abraham Lincoln. The, the way you know, he actually gave a little bit of a tell in how disingenuous his argument is here. Because he was, they're bringing great shame to people like Abraham Lincoln. Follow, follow the logic. Abraham Lincoln, who founded the Republican Party on anti-slavery, which itself was a lie. Wait, hold on. Wait. Where am I? Because you just said the reason that these current Republicans are bad is because they're breaking with the great history of the Republican Party, which was founded on anti-slavery, but oh, wait a second. I just said the Republican party was founded on anti-slavery, but that, but that was a lie. Oh, oh, okay. So if it was a, so then the new, then the new Republicans aren't that bad because they're not betraying the old party because the party was always terrible. Well, no, I'm just, and he ties himself into knots. My big argument against Liz Cheney is that people like Jim Clyburn really like her, or, or at least are pretending to like her right now because they know that she in a position of leadership weakens the Republican party. Now the, the problem for us right now is that the alternative is possibly worse, at least Stefanik. Can't we just put up a conservative? Can't we put, can't we at least, here, here are the two things I want. Vaguely conservative at least, and doesn't spend all of his time attacking his own party. That's, those are the two things I want for someone who is in Republican leadership. So Liz Cheney, actually she's sort of, you know, moderately conservative. She's not a total lib, moderately conservative, but she spends all her time attacking the party. Okay, well, she's got to go then. And Elise Stefanik does not spend her time attacking the party, but she's significantly more liberal than Liz Cheney. So can't we, can't you just get like a conservative up there? Like and any conservative who doesn't hate his own party, I guess that's too much to ask. This is cancel culture. I guess to, to Jim's main point here, he's saying this is cancel culture. It's not cancel culture to hold people accountable and to show people consequences for the things they say. When the left uses those kinds of words and says, you know, cancel culture is really about accountability. It's really about consequences. 
I agree with them. And as far as it goes, yes, people should be held accountable for things they do. People should face consequences. One of the big problems in our culture today is that people don't really face consequences. Or rather, only conservatives face consequences. Getting back to Kinzinger's stupid point about the worst, most terrible insurrection in history. A, a guy who says he, I guess he's sort of conservative, dances around with horns. And all of those people are going to go to prison for a long time. BLM burns down the country. Very few of them face consequences. That's the problem. Cancel culture is a specific phenomenon. It is when ordinary people are ostracized and face professional and personal reprisals for saying perfectly ordinary and good things, for waving the American flag, for saying, I, su- I support cops over criminals. And they get canceled. That's cancel culture. I am, it does not therefore follow that no one should ever be held accountable for anything. When the left says, well, you, you conservatives had cancel culture in the fifties when you put communists in jail. Yes, we did. And it was awesome. It was great. Bring it back, baby. (laughs) When you've got people working to completely undermine our country and upend our way of life as the card carrying communists were in the 1950s, they were working on behalf of a foreign government, our enemy in the cold war. It is totally right to punish them for that. (laughs) That's great. Bill Buckley had a great line about this. He's saying, uh, I'll try to do it in my perfect Buckley. He goes, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, communists ought to be thrown in prison, but I'm not saying that they have any right not to be thrown in prison either. Totally right. I absolutely agree with that. Yes, because communists waving the, fl- the hammer and sickle are different than Americans waving the star-spangled banner. The substance matters too. This, this question of symbolism is, is really important here. We're getting so dumb. There was a judge in Maryland, a Maryland District Court judge on Wednesday, banned court employees from wearing apparel that have thin blue line designs. Because, the, you know, the thin blue line is, it's the American flag with the, the blue through it. And it says, yeah, I support the cops over the criminals. And, uh, you know, the more we see videos of people in Canada, you know, cops in Canada arresting pastors, I think the less likely we are going to be to just u- reflexively support the blue. But here in America, yes, we support the cops over the criminals. The left supports the criminals over the cops. The right supports the cops over the criminals. The reason I don't like the thin blue line symbol too much is it's actually a violation of flag code. <laughs> it's a transformation of the American flag in a way that I think is actually somewhat disrespectful. But I, I support the idea. The judge says, no, no thin blue line stuff. No, we support the cops. Back the blue stuff. Now, I don't know. Do you think that if an employee at the court wore a button that said Black Lives Matter, do you think that would be prohibited? I don't know. Maybe it would. But we, we know that in other places, there have been plenty of news stories about other corporations, about other organizations where you can wear the BLM stuff, but you can't wear the back the blue stuff. Where you can wear the BLM or even Antifa or even Che Guevara's face on a t-shirt, but you can't wear a MAGA hat. Only some of the symbols are being banned because those symbols are are reflections on our standards and our standards are changing and conservatives don't have any language with which to describe this. They don't have it yet because we've been left speechless, controlling words, controlling minds. It's the title of my book, which is available now for pre-order. If you want a way out of this, I strongly recommend taking a look at the book. Give you a great example on, on the substance of these politics, right? So Democrats have earmarked millions of dollars in this upcoming spending bill for all of their pet projects. Millions and millions of dollars. Here's just a list of of some of them. Million bucks for a cultural placemaking initiative designed to celebrate the history and culture of black Los Angeles by Representative Karen Bass of California, an actual communist, a woman who actually worked for communist organizations for a very long time and visited communist places and defended them. I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic at all when you call Karen Bass a a communist. The project is described as an innovative 1.3 mile public private streetscape improvement to celebrate black culture. It's so, it's so cliche at this point that I won't, I don't, I will say, imagine if you had a million dollar project to celebrate white culture. Imagine what would that do? (laughs) You'd be, oh my gosh, the international headlines, the riots that that would provoke. But what about the Hispanics? They don't get a million bucks to celebrate their culture. What about the Asians? They don't get to celebrate their culture. What about the Italians, the most persecuted minority ever in the history of America? What about that? 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Million dollars for, to celebrate black culture. In Wisconsin, Democrat rep Mark Pokin is asking for a million bucks for a 55,000 square foot space for black enterprise, art, history, performance, and culture. Okay. So another specifically racialist black artistic thing. Illinois rep Sherry Bustos asking for three quarters of a million dollars to create a youth equity center to help children address the necessary social determinants of health to be successful. I don't even know what that means. I assume this is just a complete slush fund. Rep Hakeem Jeffries, who's, uh, who's, I believe it's his uncle, uh, Professor uh, Jeffries, who I talk about in my upcoming book, uh, Speechless Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, available now for pre-order. Jeffries had this, that was a little bit late on the ding, but that's okay. That's all right. I still remember. It's an important one. Uh, Jeffries had this idea that there are sun people and ice people and that the black people are the sun people and they're good and they have melanin and the whites are savages. They're ice people. Nick Cannon, the actor, carried this ridiculous ideology into the 21st century recently and sort of got a slap on the wrist for it. So Jeffries is his uh, nephew, his relative. He's requesting three quarters of a million bucks for a program for, quote, inclusion and health, healthy discussions around difficult issues such as racism, gender discrimination, cultural bias. So again, just a slush fund for nonsense. Donald Payne Jr. Uh, earmarks over a million dollars for the Center for Child and Human Development for blah, 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 meaningless jargon. Uh, Rep. Barbara Lee asking for a million bucks to provide culturally relevant medical services to the black community. What does that mean? Culturally relevant? I don't know. Sounds a little suspect to me. Same thing. Another million bucks, another half million bucks, another half million bucks, another quarter million bucks. The list goes on. What's the Republican response to this? The Republican response to these slush fund projects is, wow, look at all this crazy wasteful spending. Wow, if you elect us, we won't spend any of that money for, for our priorities. Wow, we'll, and actually they probably will. They'll just, they'll just give lip service to opposing it. Wow, look how kooky this is. That's all the Republican responses. The Republican response should be, elect us, and you see all that money that the Democrats are going to spend on their nonsense? We're going to take all of that money, and we're going to spend it on good things. But what about the debt and deficit? Yeah, we have to deal with that. I agree. But politics is downstream of culture, (laughs) to quote Andrew Breitbart and to quote a lot of the people who would oppose this sort of a plan. We need to take the money that is going to be spent. There's no, you're not going to reduce the spending. It's just not going to happen. Not in our current culture. If Ronald Reagan couldn't do it, you can't do it either. Take the money that is already going to be spent because money is power, right? Money is political power. Take that and put it into good things. Put it into the 1776 commission. Put it into the 1620 center for American history celebrating the pilgrims. Put it into the George Washington center for justice and liberty and true equality under the law. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? We need to flex political power, which means spending money because that's where the political power is expressed on good things. I'm not saying you oppose the, the black cultural center with a, a white cultural center. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you oppose the black cultural center with the George Washington mural for how great America and Christianity and our traditional culture is. <laughs> Do that. That will help. That will actually change the culture. And then you're, you're doing it through politics because politics and culture can't be totally neatly separated. Of course, that, that is a way forward. Unfortunately, our guys basically share the same worldviews as the left. That's just how it works. Caitlyn Jenner, I got to get to Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner just came out for a path to citizenship. California's labor force includes 1.75 million undocumented immigrants. Should they have a path to citizenship? I would hope so. Um, I am for legal immigration, okay? Um, What's been happening on the border was honestly one of the reasons I decided to run for governor. I was watching people dying come across the river, um, kids in cages, whatever you want to call them. They should have a chance at citizenship? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they should. Why, Why are Republicans going to vote for this guy? Not only is he supporting amnesty 
for illegal aliens. The issue, right? The, there are many issues that you call the issue. This is a very, very important one. Would give Democrats a huge electoral advantage, maybe a lock. It's such, a, such an injustice. It's such a violation of the law. It so encourages more illegal immigration. And not only that, but he's parroting the left's talking point on kids in cages. The, the left-wing argument, Trump threw the kids in the cages. It's so unjust to detain illegal aliens. He's using the same point. So why would anyone support him? Well, because, you know, that would so own the libs if we showed the Democrats that they're the real transphobes or whatever. Oh, if we adopted all of their views. Caitlyn Jenner already, already has adopted the left's, wing, the left's view on very important issues. So what would be the point in electing him? We need to offer an alternative, folks. But are, are we going to be able to do that? Or is our politics just ossified into the Democrats and then the sort of fake Republicans who sort of just exist to prop up the Democrats? And really, it's all governed by Dr. Fauci, who will let you get back to normal maybe next year, but probably not even then. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Michelle Obama is once again complaining about the persecution she has suffered as a black woman in America. Dr. Fauci finally gives a definitive date for when we can return to normal. Sarah Silverman comes after Caitlyn Jenner and a rapper was shot and killed by a 15-year-old boy for his Rolex watch. What should we say about a man who promotes street violence and then dies by it? We'll talk about that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.